Hey everyone and welcome to The Year Was, the podcast all about today that gives you just enough information to effectively be that guy at the party causing all your friends to question, hey, who invited you? Like, seriously, why are you here? I'm your host Michael Montalvo and for the next few minutes we will swim through the river of time to find out what makes it a truly unique. On this episode we examine the events that occurred October 7th. I briefly thought about making this episode about the musical Cats, which opened in New York this day in 1982. I even wrote a song about house cats set to the tune of the Jets song from West Side Story. If I could play an instrument, you would be listening to that now. Blame my lack of musical ability. Or thank it. Instead... I thought we could talk about a trio of Wells. Not the Free Willy franchise, which I just found out is a quadrilogy, with the first two produced by the same woman who produced the X-Men films, Lauren Schuler Donner, but the Grey Wells and story that served as the basis for another movie, Big Miracle. The year was 1988, and on this day, October 7th, Enupiak hunter Roy Amaoak spotted three gray whales trapped in the ice off the coast of Barrow, Alaska. While out searching for bowhead whales to hunt, Roy came across a small pool open in the ice. As he watched, he noticed three gray whales taking turns using the pool to come up for air like most living things, whales need air to breathe. Getting stuck like this normally doesn't happen because usually the whales leave their feeding grounds before the ice gets too thick, but these were relatively young. He watched them about an hour before heading home to tell his father, figuring that they still had time to swim to freedom. The next day, he went out there again to check on the pool, and the three wells were still there, but again he figured they had time. By this time, word of the wells had reached Jeff Carroll, who was the North Slope Borough Marine Biologist, and he too felt that they still might swim out for freedom. However, that night got cold. Super cold. A bit of clarification here. As a Texan, I have a different perspective of cold compared to a great portion of the world. Anything below 60 Fahrenheit is something we label uncomfortable, and anything below 45 is just something a lot of us can't handle. The temperature that night fell to negative 13, so adjust that for your own experiences. With this temperature drop, the pool was in danger of freezing over and trapping the whales underneath to drown. I actually read that the whales nicknamed Putu, Siku, and Kenik, along with the English nicknames, which I'll use Bone, Bonnet, and Crossbeak, would ram the ice to keep it open, and because of this, they were bloodied and their skin was cut, in some places, to the bone. So this was a serious thing. On October 12th, almost a week after the discovery, Carol called the Associated Press, and a story about the whales made it on the evening news. Greenpeace began getting calls, but they were a bit confused as to what they were expected to do. Cindy Lowry, the representative from Anchorage, told reporters, There's not much we can do. We don't have a boat. Greenpeace Wales campaigner Campbell Plowden would later say, When I walked into the Greenpeace office on U Street in Washington, D.C., the receptionist greeted me somewhat wearily and handed me a stack of pink message slips. Voicing the understatement of the week, she said, 
A lot of people have been calling asking what Greenpeace is going to do to save the whales trapped in the ice in Alaska. I realized on the spot that we had no choice about whether or not we wanted to accept this incident as a natural event or ignore it as a distraction. Dealing with it had just become our mandate. I had to give it my best shot and try to use the opportunity to save a lot more whales around Iceland. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration was also called in to help with the rescue and Dave Withrow was sent to lend his expertise, as well as biologist Dr. Jim Harvey from the National Marine Mammal Lab. Remember when I said whales need to breathe? The thing about that is that there was a lot of ice, and so they needed holes in the ice in order to surface. Inupiat hunters came to the site and used their expertise and knowledge to cut holes into it for the whales to use. Withrow would later say, The Inupiat people who lived in and around Barrow did most of the hole cutting, and their knowledge and guidance helped the operation stay safe and on track. In addition to cutting holes, they were also having to keep the holes clear of new ice that would form and potentially block the wells. Many companies were actually eager to offer assistance and sent chainsaws to cut holes and generators to provide light and power. The rescue team was also sent water pumps that would keep the surface water moving in order to prevent the growth of new ice, and this allowed for fewer people needed to maintain each hole so more could be cut. It was by using these methods that the team was able to cut a series of holes into the ice that led its way towards the ocean. However, there was still the problem of getting to the whales. Ice from the coast needed to be broken up in order to form a path. Many ideas were thrown around from explosives to high-speed water drills to lasers, jet pumps, particle stream, erosion devices, and a mining machine with rotating teeth. But the most obvious solution for all was to use an icebreaker. How much does a polar bear weigh? Enough to break the ice. Pause for laughter. But again, they ran into issues. The U.S. government had two ships that could do the job. One was stuck in the ice elsewhere and the other was undergoing repairs in Seattle. The Amoco Oil Company had one but it was guarding a drill ship, while the Vico Company, who works with the oil industry, offered to provide a hover barge to break the ice, although they still needed a way to break through a pressure ridge that was over 35 feet thick. The only icebreaker available would be one from the Russians, but... This was during the Cold War. The hover barge was brought in, although using it, they faced some issues. It was making its way, but it was at a snail's pace of only 5 miles in 4 hours. It eventually got caught on a sandbar and fuel was needed to be offloaded in order to make the ship lighter in order for it to move. 3-inch steel cables were also attached to helicopters that would drag the barge through the ice and... This kind of worked, but by October 29th, they knew they needed a better plan. While this was all going on, trying to get the icebreaker, ice-cutting teams needed a way to drive the whales towards the ocean. The method they landed on was pretty simple. Whale noises. The plan was to use whale songs to drive the trapped whales to the ocean. Equipment was sent in to aid in this, however, when scientists went to retrieve it from the airport, they discovered that it had already been picked up and taken to the site. So, good news, right? Not exactly. Among the whale sounds that were sent, one was that of an orca, or a killer whale, which, as you know, 
is a predator of the gray whale. Do you want to venture a guess as to which sound they played? Hearing the orca, the three whales fled the area in order to maintain safety, but only two would eventually return. The youngest, Bone, who was also thought to be suffering from pneumonia, was lost. It's thought it just went too far out and could not make its way back. So it finally came time to ask Russia for help. Dr. Harvey would later say there was a lot of tension from the Cold War, but the Russians did come to the rescue. A Russian icebreaker was in the Beaufort Sea, and they were talked into helping, although there was concern because it would bring them so close to Narl and our coastline. So now they were able to break through the ice. They got to the wells and then had to back out, leading the two remaining through broken and jumbled ice to safety. Because of the strain they had suffered along with the loss of bone, the plan to tag them was scrapped, and that's kind of where the story ends. We don't really know if they made it out, although two wells were said to have been spotted off the California coast. Rescuers are hopeful that they survived. At the end of the day, we really don't know why they got trapped out that far, but some speculate that it was because a larger whale population exhausted food supplies and drove the three whales further east than they would normally have gone. A book of the incident was published in 1989 by Tom Rose titled Freeing the Whales, and a film titled Big Miracle, starring Drew Barrymore and John Krasinski, was made in 2012. That's going to do it for us today. If you like this podcast and want to hear more, give us a rate and a review. That helps me out and helps steer this in a direction that is hopefully good for all. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can find the Year Was audio version on your podcast app of choice. You can find me on social media and at YouTube at the Apple Cider Club. And as always, I want to thank the Tim Kreitz Band for our musical theme. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.